Thanks for tuning in to this message. My name is Jared Piney. I'm the online pastor here at Pathway, and I'm here with one of our worship directors and online hosts, Maddie Seitz. We hope this message is a valuable resource to you and helps you grow deeper in your faith. If you consider yourself a Christian and this message blesses you, I hope you'd consider giving back to us at Pathway so we can continue connecting all people to Jesus and helping them become his fully devoted followers. Learn more at pathwaychurch.com forward slash giving. And if you decide to take a step in your faith after the message today, simply visit pathwaychurch.com forward slash next so we can help provide you with resources and partner with you in this journey. Welcome everyone to our weekend series here. We're talking about relationship goals, and man, it's been a good series. We're rolling through it, and today we're honoring our moms. So I hope you've thought about what you need to do to honor your moms. I mean, there's a variety of things. You better choose something good, all right? So here's the truth. A mom's job description, man, it is immense. There's so many things that mothers constantly have to be on. I remember as a kid growing up, one of the things that my mom always helped me do was not to forget things. I was one of those kids, I forgot things all the time. My mom was helpful. This is one of the responsibilities of moms, right moms? I mean, always thinking about this. Like this kid. This kid struggles with forgetfulness. His mom wasn't around that day. He's in the band. He's playing the air trumpet, you know? I didn't know this was a thing. I had to ask one of my friends who uh, has a kiddo in the band. I said, seriously, if they forget their instrument, they just go on out there and just play like they got one, right? They're like, yep, that's how it goes. It's like, good to know. You know, I did not know that. You know, here's another one. Someone forgot this. Now, this is not a good thing to forget. If you are a boater, you know what's going on in here. You know, this picture, this guy forgot his drain plug. Very important thing to put in your boat before you put it in the water, right? So something maybe a mom could have helped him with. I have a friend who was uh, at WCU, and they were in the middle of their probably second or third class of the day. And as they were there, they began to wonder where their keys were. They went to get something in their backpack. You know how your mind starts thinking about, I'm not sure where my keys are at. I mean, they're, they're not where they're supposed to be. Looks through the backpack, looks through her purse, And eventually, she just has to keep going to class. She goes out, thinks, I probably left him in the car. She didn't leave him in the car with the car running all day long. I mean, I just was like, man, that's like forgetful. You know, it's one thing to forget your keys. Another thing to forget the cars running all day long. 
I have a friend who's a student pastor, and he actually forgot a kid on a ski trip. Halfway home, no kidding. Halfway home, he's going through the list of kids. I don't know how he, you know, somebody's like, Billy's not here. You know, he's like, oh. So he stops, pulls over. He has his volunteers go ahead and take the rest of the kids on and rents a car to drive back to Colorado from Kansas to pick up the kid and make sure they get home. That's, that's not good, right? I mean, you're like, man, that's pretty forgetful. So here was mine. I had to tell the story. It'd be a Mother's Day. You know, when I was uh, in middle school, I finally decided that, man, my room was important. I had things that I wanted to do, like make it look cool. So I asked my mom, hey, mom, can we paint my room? And by we, I meant her. So I was asking if she would help me paint the room or she would do it. And my mom is kind, good. She is the most uh, gentle person. You know, and so she says, yeah, we can do that. So, you know, a few days go by. I come home one day after school and my dresser and my bed, everything is pulled away from the walls. And there my mom just faithfully is up on the ladder just painting. I'm like, yes, you know, finally get my room painted. And as soon as I said, yes, I looked at my dresser and saw something that I had forgotten. It was a can of chewing tobacco. There was a can of chewing tobacco on the corner of my dresser. The reason it was on the corner of my dresser is because it was usually behind my dresser. And when my mom pulled it away from the wall, she is a good mother, put it on the corner of the dresser. And so she's up on the ladder and I'm kind of just talking with her like, mom, you're doing a great job. Room looks spectacular. I'm trying to fill her out because she hasn't even flinched at this point. And so eventually I can't figure out if she knows and she's waiting for me to confess. So I just go outside and start playing basketball. So I'm just out there on the driveway, I'm playing and it's driving me crazy. And so finally I come back in I think, man, I better go confess. I go into the room, and I just said, Mom, I know I shouldn't be chewing. You know, I, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. You know, that can on the corner of the dresser there. And she turned off the ladder and looked at me, and she said, I thought that was bubble gum. <laughs> now, to her defense, they were putting bubble gum in cans and you know, beef jerky and all that stuff. But man, I'll tell you, that's something I'll never forget. You know, after that, it just kind of went black. You know, it was bad from then on. Oh, it was terrible. Now, there are some things that are not a big deal to forget. I mean, if you forget your keys or you forget your phone, and if you're in the house, it's good. You know it's going to show up. You can go, man, I'm not going to sweat it. Not that big a deal. But there are some things that are a big deal. And there are some things that are hard to let go of. You know, once they happen, they leave their mark, and it's just like, I can't let go of that. And generally what I've found is that those things always are about relationships. They're relationships that have been broken, relationships where we've been hurt, where there's been some pain that we've experienced, you know, and we all understand what this is like. You know, when we have a relationship that goes south and we start to experience the hurt of that relationship, it's, it's easy even to start creating a little bit of a story that goes with it. Have you ever noticed yourself doing that? 
you know, all of a sudden this story begins to build a little bit because those relationships, when they get broken, they start to consume us. We start thinking about them in ways that they kind of take on a life of their own. That, that story that we tell ourselves about what that person thinks about us or even how we see ourselves, it, it takes twists and turns and grows. It, it's something that can kind of take over. It can be consuming. Yet you have a hard time letting it go. It can even become an obsession. You remember this guy? This guy had a relationship that he was obsessed with, right? Hello, my name is Inigo Mentoya. You killed my father, you finish it. Prepare to die. You know, this is a great classic movie, The Princess Bride. If you have not watched this movie, shame on you. You know, this would be a great Mother's Day thing. But this character in the movie, his father is killed by who? The six-fingered man, right? The six-fingered man has killed his father, and he obsesses and begins to pursue this revenge. And throughout the movie, he's looking for this six-fingered guy who killed his father, and he is going to avenge his father's death. Well, eventually, spoiler alert, eventually he does avenge his father's death. And then after he does it, he comes to this point in life where he's just like, I don't know what else to do. I mean, I, I've just given my whole life to pursuing this person. And my heart has been full of revenge. And now there's really not anything else worth living for. You know, that, that's what broken relationships can look like. You know, that they can start to work on us in a way where they affect other relationships. They, they start to work on us in a way where they start affecting our concentration, our ability to work, and they even affect our health. You know, there's so many times that these relationships that we're not willing to let go of to allow forgiveness to come in, where, where they consume us. I want to share a story from the Bible. This, this is such a good story. If you have your Pathway app, you can open up, you'll be able to follow along. If not, you have your Bible, go to Genesis 45. We're going to camp there, put your finger in it for a moment. You know, I want to tell you the story of Joseph. In the back half of Genesis, man, it gives this detailed account of Joseph's life. And if you know the story of Joseph, it has ups and downs, highs and lows. It twists and turns. You know, it's really a crazy story. And I want to just give a quick summary of it so we can dig in here in a moment. So here's how it goes. When Joseph is a teenager, God begins to reveal to him that he's special. And so God says, hey, one day your older brothers will serve you. Well, Joseph is kind of a cocky little punk. And so he goes and he tells all of his brothers, it's a bad move. Like, hey, I want to let you know someday it's going to be me, <laughs> you know. You're coming my way. You're going to serve me. It's going to be a role reversal. His brothers didn't take too good of this. I mean, they took it kind of extreme, I think. They're like, we're going to kill him. And they weren't kind of kidding about it. They really thought about it. They made a plan to take his life. But one brother intervened finally, so they go, well, let's not kill him, let's just throw him in this pit. They throw him in this pit. They think of really a way that they can tell their father that he's been killed to make up this plot, this story, and they sell him into slavery. As he's sold into slavery, he goes to Egypt, and there in Egypt, he begins to be a servant to an official, someone high-ranking. 
And so as he's purchased as a slave, now serving this master, he begins to climb the ladder. The master looks at him and goes, man, you're doing a pretty good job. And he continues to show his character, his ability to be a strong leader, and he puts him in charge of everything in his household. I mean, here you go from being a slave to being in charge of a household. That's a pretty good life. It was great until this official's wife accused him of raping her, falsely accused him. And all of a sudden, this man comes home, this husband, of course, he's irate, throws Joseph into prison. It's in prison that Joseph begins again to show his character. The prison warden notes it and says, hey, here's the deal, man. I respect you. You are faithful. I trust you. I'm going to put you in charge of my entire prison and everyone, all the prisoners that are in it. Just like, man, this is great. Life is going well. You know, two guys come and they have these weird dreams and they're like, hey, we've heard that you can interpret dreams. And so Joseph says, you know, it's, it's not really I who interpret the dreams, it's God who gives me the wisdom to understand. And they're like, okay, we're gonna lay it out there. Here's our dreams, tell us what's gonna happen. And Joseph says, well, it's gonna go well for one of you and for one of you, not so well. For the one that it's gonna go well, the king's cupbearer, he says, you're gonna be restored to your position. That's a great deal, you're in prison, He's saying, you're going to be restored back into the court of Pharaoh. And so he says, as he's leaving, Joseph, hey, don't forget me when you're in the midst of Pharaoh. I've been wrongly accused. So the scripture tells us that this individual, great guy, right, forgets him for two years. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh starts to have these weird dreams. And this guy's like, hey, I know a guy. And Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Joseph comes from prison. Pharaoh begins to tell Joseph his dreams, and it's there that Joseph begins to interpret by God's power. He he begins to tell Pharaoh what's going to happen. Hey, Pharaoh, here's the deal. There's going to be a famine in the land like you've never experienced before, and God is telling you that he is going to allow you to have years of abundance to cover the years of famine. And so you better make sure that when you have these bumper crops, all this provision, that you store this surplus so that one day you'll be able to help people in the famine. So Pharaoh's listening, finally glad that someone has been able to tell him his dream, interpret it, and he says, you know what, you are the man. I see that not only are you someone who can interpret dreams, but you're a strategist. So here's the deal, I'm gonna get you an opportunity, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to be in charge of everything. I mean, you'll be the second in command. No one will be able to speak against any of the plans that you have, you just go and do what you need to do. Clears the runway. So Joseph begins to put together the plan. Eventually the famine reaches Joseph's family. So one day his brothers come They come to Egypt searching for food, trying to gain some provisions they can take back home to the family. And Joseph recognizes brothers, but they don't recognize him. And Joseph begins to like play some tricks on them. If you go read chapters 42 through 44, you'll see some of these tricks that he plays on them. I kind of think personally they had them coming to him. But he begins to do that. And really what it does is it culminates to this moment, this epic moment. Joseph decides that he is going to reveal himself. And so he prepares this feast. I mean, unbelievable feast, 
the best in the land, and then he sets his brothers by birth order around the table. Now, you got to think, these guys are in the room, they're like, man, this is weird. How does this guy know our birth order? So Joseph comes into the room. He begins to reach the tipping point where he just can't take it anymore. And I want to pick up there. So look with me. Here's what happens. Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when, they, when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers, look, they were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. I want to stop right there. I want you to put yourself in the story. Here's how we're going to do it. I want you to think about someone who's hurt you. Now, I'm not talking about some minor offense. I'm not talking about a skirmish in life. I'm talking about someone who has hurt you deeply. I want you to think about that person. Dial in. It may be a family member. It may be a friend. It may be a boss. Have you got them? Then I want to ask you this question. Wouldn't you like to be Joseph with that person you're thinking of right now? Do you recognize the position Joseph is in with his brothers? He has all the power. He can deliver the blow. Now, wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that? Have the power to be able to establish the blow, to deliver it? Isn't there part of you inside that wants to do that? Well, let me ask this maybe. Could you let it go? Could you you let go of the offense, the deep pain, the hurt that has been caused? Could you forgive that person? Can you release the desire to be heard, to be justified, or to pay them back? You know, it's difficult. And in many ways, it's complicated, right? I mean, all of our stories are different. The pain that we've experienced And it can be deep, it can be immense. You know, there is a story that I read just this week about a young firefighter named Matt Swadzell. And as Matt was finishing a 24-hour shift, he drove home one night. And he was driving home, he was just in two miles within his house. He fell asleep, crossed the center line, and hit June Fitzgerald head on, and killed her and her unborn son. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Matt? I mean, here is a guy who has dedicated his life to saving people, and now he's taken two lives. I just can't imagine the grief that he must have felt, how guilty. And in many ways, can you imagine being Eric Fitzgerald? when the news was delivered to him that his wife and unborn son had been killed in an accident. You know, Eric was a young pastor, and so he had a relationship with Christ, 
But he said even in that moment, the despair was so deep. It was so incredibly hard. He said, one day I just opened up my Bible and I began asking God, why? Why did you take my wife from me? Why did you take our unborn child? I mean, Lord, this is too big of a blow. I'm not sure I can hang on here. And he said, God, as he sat there with the word open, began to remind him of a message. A message he'd heard from a pastor who began to talk about the big picture that God has in our life and how we really just concentrate on all the snapshots. We forget that there's this bigger story that's being written. We're just in the moments. And Eric said it started to kind of give him a little bit of hope. In fact, he would say that it saved his life, that truth, realizing that God was still there. Well, due to the investigation, um, Eric and Matt weren't able to talk for two years. It was what the court ordered. But one day, the judge came and said, hey, I need to know what type of sentence you would like to pursue. I mean, do you want to pursue the most severe sentence that you can, or do you want to opt for some lesser charge? I mean, if you pursue the most severe penalty you can, then Matt will go to prison and it'll eliminate the chance of him ever being a firefighter again. Or you could choose that lesser option. Eric said in that moment, as he began to contemplate, that he knew that he wanted God to get the glory. He knew he wanted to be able to let go, and he knew that if he let go, God could continue to write his story and Matt's story as well. And so he chose for the lesser option. You know, it didn't bring back his wife. It didn't bring back that child. But it was something that God gave him the courage to do. You know, a couple days before the two-year anniversary of June's death and their child, Matt walked into a convenience store. He wanted to purchase a card and just let Eric know that he hadn't forgotten all the pain that he had caused their family. And he wanted him to know that he was praying for him. And as Matt, head down, thinking about what he was going to write on the card, entered the convenience store, who walked out? It was Eric. Eric walked out, and you would think that first time they saw each other face to face, it might have been cold, maybe even harsh words, but God had grown Eric, and Eric embraced Matt. And they said for two hours, they talked there in the parking lot, and just shared how God had been moving in their life, healing them slowly but surely. You know, it's incredible to think what God can do when we're willing to say yes. But there's part of you that just goes, why? Why why would someone let go of something that's so painful? Why would someone offer forgiveness? I mean, isn't there accountability? Isn't there a consequence that, that needs to happen. This is a really interesting thing for us to consider. The why really is about freedom. I want you to know that as we choose to offer forgiveness, as we choose to let things go, God gives freedom to us, not just the person that we're letting go of whatever consequence they might need to pay. But we've had some things we've taught ourselves and we've allowed to be taught that are wrong. 
they're not truthful like this one. Hey, you just need to forgive and forget. You know, we've been told this since we were kids, right? Forgive and forget. That's just the way you do it. You forgive and you forget. I want to tell you as a pastor, I've heard so many stories over the year of people sharing with me the deep personal pain that they've experienced at the hand of other people. And I want to tell you, it's been incredible to hear how they've been able to survive these. And I want to be clear here, forgetting is not the point. Forgiving is. Some of those things you may never be able to completely forget, but we have the opportunity to forgive. And if we wait to forgive until we forget, we may never end up where God wants us to be. There's a couple things I I want us to consider about letting go, being able to forgive, and the first one is this. We have to choose to go on the journey. You know, that's what we need to do is recognize that forgiveness is not just a destination, it's a journey. I want to tell you that for Eric, it wasn't all butterflies and rainbows. I mean, he said there were lonely nights, a pain that he had never known in his life, despair, grief, but he knew that God wanted to give him the courage and strength to do something It would only be through God's power. It wouldn't be anything that he could just muster up and deliver, but it would only be because of God. And sometimes when we hear these stories, we think about the parking lot moment, the end, and we forget about the middle. We forget that Joseph was in prison, that Joseph was in a pit. We just see him as the prince of Egypt, the one that is in charge. And I want to tell you that forgiveness is a journey And it's a process, and it may take time. But you have to be willing to start moving if you want to experience freedom. The other thing I want you to think about is this, that we need to make sure that we remember the big picture. I mean, when Joseph was going through the ups and downs of his life, I mean, there's so many of those moments where he could have just been like, I'm giving up, man. You know, here I am falsely accused, Here I am serving time in a prison. I've been faithful. I've served well. I've climbed the ladder. I've done everything you want me to do. This guy doesn't even remember me, God. Now, I just want to give up. But if he would have given up, he would have missed the big picture. Because Joseph wasn't in Egypt just because he had terrible brothers or because he was some cocky little punk kid. Joseph was in Egypt because God wanted him to save a nation. God had a plan in store. And Joseph's plan was bigger than one person, one family, one story. It was something that God was doing. And I want to tell you, whatever your broken relationship may be, whatever hurt or pain that you have in your life, God has a bigger story for you too. And he hasn't forgotten you. And he wants to continue to show you how you can do this. And it won't be through your own power. I mean, if you're having trouble dealing with your hurt, if you have hopelessness in the midst of this pain, if you even maybe desire to have revenge, I want you to hear the words of Joseph to his brothers. Here's what he says. Hey, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many 
people. This is the secret to letting go. It's the secret to forgiveness. Think about what Joseph said here. Am I God? You know, one of the things we're going to have to do is, if we're going to be letting go, is to recognize when we're letting go, we're letting go to a God who is just. Now, I want you to think about that. In Joseph's story, he had to know that tr- to be true. He had to know that I'm going to let go and, and not just think this is going to go out somewhere where it's never going to have any purpose, where it's never going to have any finality, but I'm letting go to a God who is just. I mean, the truth is for Joseph, I mean, how does he even know what consequence to deliver? What penalty is right? Is it going to bring back the 20 years that he wasn't with his father? The years that he would have rather been in his home? Man, I think sometimes when we get in these situations, it's so complex it's so difficult, but God gives us the ability not to tap out where there won't be any responsibility for those that have hurt us, but that we can tap out and say, God, only you truly know. Only you know what is right. Here's the next one. We're letting go to a God who is sovereign. Once again, Joseph says to his brothers, you intended it for harm, but God chose it for good to put me in a position I want to let you know, if you let go, God is going to be moving you to a position. And I don't know what that position is going to look like, but it's going to be a position where he's going to continue to grow you. He's going to continue to allow you to have influence, to not allow a wound to limit who God wants you to be. You may not truly understand it. You may not be able to see into the future. We don't have that ability, right? But God does, and God is sovereign, and God is good. I'm reminded of a passage that I think could be helpful to just remember that our trust in his sovereignty is something that one day will truly make sense to us. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Listen, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity, All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Here's what you can bank on. God's not done. God's not done working. God wants to help you. He wants to help us deal with the pain and the hurt that life causes, that relationships deal He wants us to be willing to let it go so forgiveness can be given and we can receive freedom. We can have the ability to walk as the people that God truly intended us to be. You know what? I'm going to tell you today, it's not going to be easy. I mean, there are some of you that have been really wounded. You've been hurt. And it's not fair and it wasn't right. I so much want you to experience the journey. I want you to trust in the big picture, to know that God hasn't forgotten. He is still there, and he wants to do something incredible with your brokenness. And God wants us to win, and winning means trusting in him 
so that we can truly experience his grace, his power to do only what we could do when he's in the middle. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to bow your heads if you would. Close your eyes. I just want to give a little bit of space here. I want to go back to this question I asked you earlier. Is there a name, a face, or hurtful memory that overwhelms you today? I mean, that still is just kind of in the background working, and you know that you should let go of this hurt, that you should offer forgiveness, but it's so hard. And it may have been something that you've done before and you need to do again. That's why this is a journey. It's not just a destination. But I want to challenge you today to keep moving. To keep moving if you are or to get moving if you're not so that you can begin to experience the power of God working in your life and the hope of restoration, of healing. Man, if you would be willing to do that today, to start that process, I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. I want you to share it with someone. It may be a family friend. It may be someone in your life that is close to you that you feel safe with. You know, I just wanna encourage you to be willing to share with them and then to take action. And so I'm asking you right now, if you know that God is nudging you to do that, I just want you to be faithful by raising your hand, just to be willing to say, that's me. I'm going to start the journey today. I don't know where it's gonna take me, but I'm going to go because I know it's the right thing to do and I wanna experience freedom in Christ. That's you, raise your hand at any of our campuses. Those of you who are watching online, you can just type me. And I'm grateful that you're willing to go on the journey. I wanna pray for you. So Father, I, I just thank you. I thank you for all those who are willing to go, who are willing to, Lord, use what you can give them, the courage and the strength that it will take. And Father, I wanna pray that great things will happen. I pray that relationships will be reconciled, that healing would begin, and in that you would show how truly powerful you are. So thank you once again, Father, for those that are willing. You know, today too, as we continue praying, you may never have experienced the forgiveness of Christ. And I want you to experience that. I want you to understand that Christ has the power to forgive you and I of all of our sin, all of our shortcoming, because he let it go. He didn't hold our offenses against us, but he went to the cross to die in our place so we could experience freedom. And if you've never experienced that freedom, I wanna offer it to you today. I want you to just be willing to let Jesus come in. And if you wanna do that, I wanna lead you in this prayer. Just let me lead you. You can follow me in the stillness and the quietness of your heart. So Father, I just thank you. I thank you for letting me hear this message. I thank you for the truth of who you are. I thank you that there is hope for me. 
Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. I pray that you would free me from the pain that I've caused in my life and the pain that I've caused others. Jesus, I want to uh, learn what it means to live under your leadership. I want you to be in my life. You know, with everyone's head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you just to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand to all of our campus. It's just a sign that you prayed the prayer, that you asked Jesus into your heart, and you're ready to start journeying with him. If you're watching online, you can type me. We want to walk with you. That's why we want to know. We want to be your church. And so, Lord, I just want to come, and I want to thank you today for all the decisions that were made for those that are willing to go on the journey to learn, Lord, how they can continue to let go, to be willing to forgive those that have hurt them. And I thank you for those that made a decision to let you do only what you can do to forgive them so they can experience life. Jesus, would you lead us in this? It's in your name we pray, amen.